and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Sararis, and today's show centered around one of the NHL teams that is not going to be making the NHL playoffs, the Detroit Red Wings, a team that for quite a while has been off in the abyss, teetering between irrelevancy and pure disaster, up until the last two-ish years until Steve Eiserman replaced Ken Holland as the chief decision maker in terms of putting their roster together. There hadn't really been any meaningful progress. Sure, Ken Holland drafted Dylan Larkin, but other than Dylan Larkin, there hadn't been a player drafted by Detroit that's made a meaningful impact on the roster in eons. <laughs> eons sounds a bit dramatic, but it, it had been a while since the Red Wings had hit on a player in the draft and became a positive contributor at the NHL level. Today's guest is Adriano, one half of the Unsung Octopi podcast, a Detroit Red Wing-centric podcast. But before I get to today's show, got to take care of a couple things. Number one, if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, please do so wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Audioboot, all of the major podcasting platforms. This show is available for you to subscribe and download there. Number two, if you are using Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave the show a review. On Apple Podcasts, in the top right corner, after you've hit the plus sign to subscribe to the show, you're going to scroll past our recent episodes. On the bottom there, there's going to be five clear purple stars. You're going to hit the one furthest to the right. That's a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. Please, please, please take the time, leave a few words of encouragement, and do that for any show you enjoy, whether it's podcast, a YouTuber, TikTok, or whatever type of content you're consuming. If somebody is putting the effort to make it, please leave them feedback. Feedback is the life's blood of content creators. It's how we it's how we advance within this sports media landscape that is ever more terrorizing by the day. Also, guests slowly but surely coming along trying to iron out the last eight or so nhl teams we still haven't done episodes for not going to make the nhl trade deadline but if i can get guests ironed out we should be pretty close to right after the deadline having all 32 teams on the show which has been a goal of mine my friend mallory of the hockey broadcast will be back at some point in the next week or two to talk about the newest season of drive to survive and the start of the formula one season we will be having a football free agency trades and the draft that monsoon of information. I will do a full episode on that sometime relatively soon. I know, I know I've been slacking on the football coverage. Baseball's lockout ended in the meantime, while I was doing all of these hockey episodes, Chris Schweitzer of the sports report with Chris Schweitzer will be back to talk baseball at some point. The network of the show is expanding With each passing day, with each new guest, I get to find new people, expand the show, interact with new people, learn different things about different teams. It's a very fun time for me to be a content creator. I'm definitely having a better time than I was at points where I was just doing solo episodes by myself for an hour every single day. Okay, that's all the preamble I got for you. I will see you guys on the other side of the drop with Adriano, and we will talk about Steve Eiserman's Detroit Red Wings and what they're doing to climb out of the abyss Ken Holland left them in. And with that, I am very happy to welcome to the show. She is one of the hosts of the Unsung Octopi podcast. How are we doing, Adriano? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm very excited. We're getting to that fun part of the hockey calendar where you could tell me absolutely anything and I'd believe you. <laughs> Especially if Stevie's involved because he could do anything. <laughs> he really could. And Steve is one of those guys, one of like the three general managers that's regarded as kind of having a clue. So like he could legitimately do anything and be like, oh, wow, they ended up with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl for a second round pick. I don't know how Steve did it, but he did it. Yeah. I was talking to Darren McCarty once and I was like, does he have like dirt on all the GMs? How does he do this? Like, <laughs> he uses Jedi mind tricks. He's always done that. I was like, oh God. <laughs> he just gotta be smarter than the rest of them. That really yeah. might be all it is. Honestly, yeah. The reputation yeah. Right. might just precede him that much. It really might, because everybody talks about him like he's this deity. Like between his reputation as a player and as a general manager, it's kind of like, yeah, this is Mr. Perfect. Yeah. And they're right. Just look at him. <laughs> You're very right about that. <laughs> so usually when I have people on the first time, I get, like to get to feel them out a little bit, understand how they think about hockey, how they think about their favorite team. So what's your relationship with sports been like in your life? So I can get an understanding of where you're coming at things. Okay. So I have five siblings and I've, so I have two sisters, two brothers, and then me and my little sister. So it was always me and my brothers kind of grouped together because we were like the middle kids. So I always wanted to be like them and they have always loved sports. They always played sports and I it just like the love grew from there. And not only that, but my very first memory in life is being at the 97 cup win parade. I was two years old. <laughs> I, I rem that's like my very first memory. I remember people walking around, everybody in red and everybody was like super jazzed and excited. And um, so like, it, it's kind of destiny <laughs> at that point. So I grew up, my brothers always had, um, football stuff, hockey stuff. They had, uh, who, I don't even remember who the jerseys were, but they always had two Red Wings jerseys on the wall in their room. They had a plaque of the Russian five on their wall. So uh, we call me the third brother because there's only two of them. So I'm, I'm the third brother. So that was like, I always fell in with the things that they liked and it kind of grew into my own love. I like, I, there was like a lot of stuff that happened where I kind of just fell out of love with a lot of things, but hockey in particular. And then when I started like, coming back to who I really am. It was, it was just there. It was always there. So when I got back into hockey, it was only last season that I like started watching again. Cause I always followed it like in the background, but I only started watching it again last year. And it just like, it felt right. So it's just kind of, it, it was fate, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. What is it about hockey that resonates with you more so than other sports? Because I always like to talk about this because it seems like for hockey fans, their relationship is just so much more intense with the sport than it is with the baseball, football, basketball, or anything else. And I don't know why that is. Something about hockey brings out the crazy in all of us. I think because it's it's not as corporatized, I think, a little bit. And part of it is, like, you can see the origins of it just being playful, like, just yeah. fucking around out on the ice like it, it, <laughs> hasn't, it hasn't really strayed much from that like sure the protection and like like the equipment has changed but like the core of the sport is the same it's like yeah. just playing with your friends just guys being dudes yeah guys being dudes <laughs> that's the easiest way i can describe hockey you watch what goes on in the tunnel right before they come out to the ice what goes on during warm-up just guys yeah. being dudes just fucking oh, around. Yeah. That's a really good way
There's so many, so much weird shit like that. Like just getting up in your boy's face and screaming at the top of your lungs or like you're yeah. spitting in their face. And it's just like smiling the entire time. Okay, whatever floats your boat, man. I'm yeah, not, I'm not here to judge. Sharing a packet of mustard on the bench, you know, as dudes do. <laughs> yeah, that, gotta, you can't cramp up those packets of mustard for fan cramps. I learned, I forget where I learned that, but one of those really weird things you only know if you have hockey brain worms. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah. Yeah. So somebody asking like, why are they, what, what the fuck are they doing? It's for cramps. And like, they're like, yeah. that's not a normal thing that people know. Why do you know that? It really is one of those things that only us, only us brainworm induced people have. Yeah. So the Red Wings have been in this weird void for a little while now, post the Stanley Cup win and then the loss to the Penguins the subsequent year, where that group slowly unwound over time, you know, father time undefeated. Yeah. And no, no, no fault of their own. That was a really talented group that because of the salary cap, because of age, they weren't able to keep together over time. They kept together some of the younger pieces from that group. Justin Abdelkader hung around forever in Detroit. But in terms of understanding how the Red Wings got to where they are now, how would you describe this kind of 10 year period between Iserman becoming the general manager and the last Stanley Cup final appearance because they had a couple playoff appearances in there. They went to the second round that one year against Chicago. Really good series that ended in six games and then a couple first round exits. So how would you describe this period? Um, I would say that um, not knowing when to let go. Mm-hmm. I, I think we all kind of feel that in our lives where sometimes we just don't know when to let go. And Kenny didn't know when to let go he didn't and I will always be thankful that he gave us what he gave us and especially Dylan because he's he's just he's the captain now and I love that I'm so I'm glad that he he gave us the gifts that he did he he really he just did not know when to let go and um also there's this like weird if you look into the history we have this weird um like thing with our arena so we had the dynasty at the olympia and then that petered out and we became the dead things and we moved to the joe and that ramped up and we were a dynasty again and then that petered out and now we're at lca so and we have stevie back so it's like a little bit cosmic a little bit like (laughs) ken didn't know when to let go and a little bit like um just growing pains for the next like next phase of the game you know Gotcha. Because that's a really common thing, especially in teams that have the dynastic quality where it sustains success for a long period of time. When you don't know anything other than success, you just assume the good times are going to keep going on and on forever. I mean, there's a book from way back in the day, like 2004, about the Yankees, where the title of the book's The Last Night of the Yankee Dynasty, and it starts in 2003. The The prologue is in 2003, but the book is about 2001 because that's when the last group of guys from that dynasty team left the Yankees. Most of those guys, like Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit, Scott Brocious, they all retired or went to other teams, and they had some of the same guys going forward, but it's not the same. It's the same thing with the Red Wings, where Hosa leaves, that's a big loss. Lidstrom retires, that's a big loss. You still have Zetterberg and Datsuk plugging along, and Nick Cromwell plugging along jimmy howard's still there but you know over time when you lose key foundational pieces and you don't have the ability to replace them you do just end up kind of holding on to the past as opposed to looking to the future and it's a really hard thing to do that's the sign of a truly good executive is knowing when it's time to move on because that loyalty it's hard to forget that you won championships with somebody yeah yeah 
Um, that's why I like sometimes the things he does hurts even though I know they're necessary. Like yeah, I wanted I loved Abby. I love Justin Applicator. Yeah. He's from Michigan, like he's a hometown boy, but he was just he wasn't it wasn't the fit anymore. He he didn't have a place here anymore. So letting him go hurt, letting Jimmy Howard go hurt, but like it was necessary. It's like pulling a splinter out, you know? Yeah. And I, th- I think um, a lot of people see some of the stuff he does as cold hearted, but like, I think, I don't think he's ever hurt anybody the way he's done it because yeah. they know that he, he, what he's doing is for the good of everybody, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And that's really hard to do. One question I've had for you, because I have a lot of Red Wing fans in my life because I've been on hockey Twitter for way too long. (laughs) There are very varying opinions of Jeff Blaschel, and it's kind of all been downhill over time. The longer he's been, the longer he's been the head coach, the more negative the opinions have gotten. What have your impressions been of him with the added caveat of he doesn't he hasn't had a lot to work with in the later stages of his time in Detroit? Um, I think that, um, I don't care what anybody says. He's an improvement on Mike Babcock because that gets <laughs> okay. total piece yes. of garbage. Um, I think that he's not, I think he's been good for what he's done. I don't think he's our Stanley cup coach. I think that he's taking us to where we need to be to get to the next level, but I don't think he's going to be here going forward. And I appreciate him. And I love the, the way he stood up for his guys in the media and what he said about Dylan after he got suspended uh, for one game, that was the stupidest thing ever, but that's beside the point. Um, I think that he's a good coach, but he's not our dynasty coach. (laughs) The way I would describe Jeff Blaschel and how I was describing David Quinn when he was the Rangers coach was a field trip chaperone where he's not actually the teacher in charge of the field trip, but he's somebody's dad who's just kind of there to supervise to make sure nobody runs away from the rest of the field trip. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much that. (laughs) Especially with how young the Red Wings are. There are some guys on that team who will run away from the field trip looking at a shiny object. Mo and Luke. Mo and Luke and Joe, they're the fucking three stooges. That's one of my favorite things is about how these are genuinely like children playing professional hockey, especially the more, especially the ones who come over from Europe who are just, you know, uprooting their entire lives, coming across an ocean and just have no friends and just like, all right, I got to figure it out now. Dude, seriously. I'm like, you you can't even, do you wipe your own ass yet? Like (laughs) your parents are just cool with you. My parents would, didn't let me leave the house until I was like 24. So yeah. Like going away to college was kind of jarring. I can't even imagine going across the world to another country where you don't speak the language and you just have to live with somebody because the team said, yeah, they're your belay family. Yeah. Jeez. Oh my God. It's really crazy when you think about it abstractly. Like, yeah, these are like college sophomore age children that are prefer- that get a like $50,000 direct deposit every two weeks and no supervision. Just really crazy to think about when you think about it abstractly. <laughs> yeah unreal literally we have a literal teenager on the team literal teenager yeah and he literally like and he's got international media attention yeah that's that's insane it's crazy to think about abstractly when you take away the context of sports from it if you just said about a normal person that's the thing sports makes us numb to the craziness of this all so you yeah. mentioned before about how big a deal it was for stevie y to come back to be the general manager what was that like in the moment? Because I know you said you kind of only got back into it last year. So what is that kind of like to come to terms with, oh, my favorite team brought back somebody from the past. Is this more of a, 
we really need this or is this uh we're grasping at straws because things have been so bad lately because to some degree i know there is a little bit of conjecture amongst a lot of people out there because the oilers did the same thing they brought in ken holland to be like see he was good there so he'll be good here because we haven't been good in 40 years kind of deal um so when stevie left the organization it was because kenny wouldn't leave yes he want he was he had already been groomed to be the next gm and um they ken wouldn't leave he wouldn't leave and he wouldn't give steve his position so stevie left and he proved himself elsewhere so they resented kenny because of that and they wanted stevie more here because of that and um i mean the things he did in tampa kind of proved himself that, like he just did the damn thing you know yeah. he, he built the team that won back to get back Stanley Cups. Like you can say that, I don't even remember the GM name now at Tampa, but you could say that he did it all. But like- Yeah, Brisebois, he added to what Steve built. Still, Steve built the foundation. He like remodeled the bathroom and the kitchen. That's the way yeah. I would describe it. Yeah, pretty much. He he got all the core pieces for them. Um, he, w wasn't he the mentor too? Like he, he yeah. built that team. He built back-to-back -back Stanley Cup team. Um, he he just proved himself beyond a shadow of a doubt in my opinion and he's the captain here that's it like it doesn't matter how long he was gone people still claimed him as ours because he is he's ours and um i wasn't again i wasn't like into hockey but i remember when i read that news i literally started crying <laughs> i started crying because he's a a wonderful person b uh so important to the whole town the whole city or look the whole city, the whole state, like he's awesome. Plus, I'm a generational Stevie fangirl. My mom has been in love with him since 1983, literally. <laughs> so I learned that from her and it's it's only grown. <laughs> so it, it was um it was like the prodigal son returning, pretty much. How difficult would you say this job was when he assumed it based on what they had? in on the farm and in the system already and what they still needed how difficult would you say of a task this was to take the red wings job you know those videos on youtube of people like buying abandoned houses and completely remodeling yeah. that's he was he took, a, <laughs> took a, a house with no roof and crumbling stairs and he he's building he's remodeling it into what it used to be you know what would you say was the main cause of that? What was what wasn't working under the Holland regime towards the end that led to things getting into such dire straits? You mentioned before about holding on to guys too long. Anything other than that or um so I don't think Kenny was used to the salary cap era. Yeah. A <laughs> lot of lot of dead weight. A lot of dead weight that he's had a hell of a time getting rid of and he's done it well, obviously because he's stevie but um <laughs> he he had a lot of dead weight to get rid of um a lot of blown draft picks um and he always says we try to draft for the best player possible he always tempers expectations everywhere he goes that's that's one of the best things about him because he knows what he's doing but he doesn't want anybody else to have too high of expectations of him because he knows that so sometimes shit just doesn't work out and um his somehow his always does but, but like he'll temper expectations everywhere he goes and he's 
there's a lot of blown draft picks. So he says, we try to draft for the best player possible. That doesn't always work. So when we can get good pieces for a good price, we will. So plus like the fleecing, the fleecing of other teams is just insane. What we got Jakob Brano for, I will never, ever understand why the Caps gave that up. Alex Nadelkovich, we got him for a whiff of Jonathan Bernier's hair. Like that was insane. <laughs> yeah, Steve's got the magic. Stevie's got the magic. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Do you think this was a case of the young guys that they drafted just not being the right fit? Do you think it was a matter of them being pushed too early? What would you say was the long-term cause of repeatedly missing on draft picks? Because there's been a handful. I mean, I know the jury's still out on Philip Zadina. He's still kind of a child, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of conjecture out there that they're going to probably trade his rights in the offseason. What do you think was the overarching problem with the way they were choosing to develop their guys? Um, it's pretty much the consensus in the Wings community um, over seasoning in the AHL. AHL. You leave them there to rot. Like, you can't let them ripen until they fall off, you know? You gotta, you have to let them learn in the big leagues. Otherwise they're not going to be able to play at all. You know, um, a lot of that, a lot of um, drafting who they think should be drafted at that point and not what they need or not who they think is actually the best. Um, it's a lot of blown development too. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, cause this is one of the things, cause there's no like set, linear path to develop talent there's no guaranteed way if you do x y and z for a young player they're going to play well but it becomes a trend over time when you repeatedly see teams draft guys highly and then they don't really turn into anything and they have to go to other places to change their career trajectory so it's one of those things i've always been curious about i mean tampa's kind of the gold standard and steve built a lot of the infrastructure underneath that what they turned out a really good AHL program where pretty much anybody the Syracuse crunch put into the NHL is at least a replacement level NHL player. And that's hard to do. And the the Red Wings have, like you said, they've kept their marquee draft picks in the AHL for too long. And that's a Holland staple. They're still doing that with the Oilers. I mean, he's been there two, two and a half, three years. And Evan Bouchard is finally getting real ice time. And he got drafted four years ago and just, I understand that idea of trying to protect your younger players, but at the same time, you got to let the peacocks fly. Otherwise, you're missing the point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Plus, it, the AHL is not the only place that they can develop. Yeah. Like, three of our rookies this year all played in the SHL last year, and they were all amazing. And now they are they made opening night roster, and they came in like – Joey came in, what, like 10 games in? He's, and like he's that, been yeah. yeah he's been like a mainstay pretty much since then so i th- i think like you have to get with the times <laughs> how much would you say the energy around the team has changed with the way the last year and a half has gone in terms of who they've called up how well they've played how has the energy around the team changed there's expectations now there's not high ones but there's expectations now last year last season even uh, if they, they scored a goal in a game we we're like wow Great job, guys. Like, there was a point where we had 40 straight power plays that we didn't score on. 40 straight. There was, a, and on the 40, like, we decided as a, a fan base, we're going to, once they finally score, we're going to donate that um, dollar amount to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. And it was for, power play number 41. So everyone donated at least $41 to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Um, actually, we raised like a ton of money that night. It was crazy. Um, but that's how bad it was. 
40 straight power plays and we're like, wow, well, that's par for the course. And now it's like, if we don't score on a power play, we're like, hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> so it's it's been um, just since the last off season, it's been, um, there's more excitement. We obviously always love the team, but there's been more excitement. There's been more expectations. And um, we're a little bit more feral, which I really appreciate because that's my natural state. <laughs> It's an interesting team. I mean, they definitely are high up there on the chaos scale. Like, if I put the Red Wings on, I know something weird might happen. Like, that Saturday night game against the Leafs still sticks in my brain. We're just, yeah. I don't know what happened that night, but that's one of the craziest hockey games I've ever watched. All four goalies. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. I, that, yeah, actually, I, I was watching the Steve Dangle LFR about that, and he was like, you guys keep asking me, is Steve broken yet? This is the one that broke me because I wasn't even surprised. <laughs> and some of that is just the types of players they have. They kind of have to play this frantic kinetic style because they just don't have the personnel to play a little bit more of a structure and lock it down. So it's kind of everybody just run like it's capture the flag in elementary school. And that's basically how I would describe the Red Wings offense and defense. Uh, the defense is holding on for dear life backpedaling and the forwards are just going 100 miles an hour into the offensive zone. So it always makes for an entertaining viewing experience. They're definitely not boring. Yeah, that's for sure. The only person that plays lockdown defense is Mo, and he can't do it <laughs> 60 minutes every night. Yeah. Poor baby. <laughs> yeah, so that's a really good point. That's a good way to transition to the thing. One of the main topics I really wanted to talk about, that's the thing you really have to measure your rebuild on. Do you have that number one defenseman who can play 25 to 28 minutes a night, depending on the game, play both power play and penalty kill, and this is the literal child and he's already doing it pretty well. And it's gotta be pretty exciting to know how much room there is still to grow. Yeah. Um, there's not very much wrong with his game. There's, yeah. he makes very few mistakes. And even when he does, you can see him immediately learn from it, which is so fucking cool. Especially if you're watching, if you're at a game, like you're watching in person, you can see if he fucks up a little bit, he will immediately correct the mistake. And it's really, really cool to see. Um, we also have Simon Edv Edvinson in yeah. Sweden that, so I would say that um, Mo is like a mix of Cronwall and Lidstrom, the way he plays his game, leaning more towards the Lidstrom side because he's very, very smart. And I think Simon Edvinson is like pure Lidstrom, the way he plays. And honestly, I've heard people say, Stevie, I was at like a pregame thing for ticket season ticket holders with one of my friends and they were doing a Q&A with Larry Murphy. And he was talking about how a lot of the season ticket holders were asking um, Stevie, like, what about Mo? What about Luke? And he was like, if you think those guys are exciting, wait till Simon Edvinson comes. So that that was really, really cool to me. Um, I think they're going to be our defensive pair that takes us into the next stage. I really like Lindstrom. He is mm. quietly very good. He doesn't make very many mistakes. He's not as aggressive as a defenseman as Mo, but he's very good. Um, other, I love Phil Pronick. I think he plays a, an aggressive style. He's just not quite, doesn't have quite the hockey IQ that Mo has. Um, I think he's, he's a great second pairing guy. Um, other than that, our defense is kind of, I love hey. Mark Stahl. I think he's getting a little old. <laughs> Mark Stahl got old like four years ago and just nobody wants to buy him out because everybody likes him. So they're just going to pay him out. I mean, the Red Wings got a draft pick to just be like, take him. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what you got to do. I mean, it's same thing with Nick Letty, who 
a little bit on the older side, a little bit on the only really can skate and has no real other plus traits at this point in his career. But that's what you got to do when you're a young team and you got to reach a salary cap floor. You got to take on those young guys, uh, those older guys who are a little bit more expensive. One of the things that's interesting that we can touch on here because we're talking about the young defenseman is just how Nick Lidstrom kind of impacted how an entire generation of defensemen wanted to play hockey and are playing hockey. And just, it's really a really jarring change because when I was little, it was everybody wanted to be Scott Stevens decapitating people, just laying (laughs) them out and driving their heads into the ice and causing irrevocable brain damage. Now every kid wants to be a wizard with the puck on their stick. And that's mostly, I would say, because Nick Lidstrom age so gracefully like played into his early 40s at a really high level won all those norris trophies and just prove that you can just be smart and if you're smart enough your physical traits can be a little bit less and you see that now with guys like adam fox guys like charlie mcavoy guys like kale mccarr who are just that much smarter than everybody else and that's got to be a nice feather in the cap to say yeah my team is the reason hockey is the way it is now oh yeah for sure um i remember i was doing a uh we were doing a podcast episode about Stevie. So I was looking up like all of his stats and stuff. And out of curiosity, I just looked at Nick's. He had over the course of his career, like less than 500 penalty minutes. Yeah. Like he was, he was so, he was a classy smart and he did, he never did anything wrong. That's why they called him the, him the perfect human. Like he really was yeah. perfect human. Um, it's really cool. Like the amount of jewels we have, the crown jewels we have Stevie, Nick, Gordy. It's, yeah. That's part of the, where the pride comes from, where, like, if they're not doing well, it's like, you're pissed about it. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that really kind of, just those young guys, when you have hope, that can change the outlook of everything. Because for a while there, it kind of seemed like it was just going to be Dylan Larkin trying his damnedest to make something happen with no real help. And now he actually has some decent players to play with. And we haven't talked about Tyler Bertuzzi yet, who... Not an elite player, but a pretty good hockey player. You mentioned Jacob Verona before, who they got for Anthony Mantha and some draft picks. But you can sense a casual building towards something. Probably not next year, maybe not till the year after that, but at least there is a plan, there's a sense of direction, and that's encouraging. Yeah. Um, he. I think we're further ahead than I thought we would be, honestly, because, mm. again, Stevie keeps tempering expect- expectations. Like, it's going to take time or it's not going to be anytime soon, but like, I think we're getting closer than I expected us to at this point. Um, there, we call it the Iser plan. I don't, I'm sure everybody's heard us screaming about it, but it, it really is because he's a genius. He really, he's just a genius. There's no other way to put it. He, I think um, nobody knows exactly what he's thinking ever. He never tells anybody anything. And I've even heard him say, if, if you think you know what I'm doing, you don't like, don't, don't try and predict what I'm going to do. Cause you have no idea. And that's, it's true. Um, it's, it feels like we're heading in the right direction and we're not quite there because we still got a lot of building to do, but it feels like we're getting like, you know, when you're doing a puzzle and you get like the edges first. Yeah. feels like we're, we're almost done getting the edges, which I, I like. 
That's the, I mean, that's the important part. You can figure out the bottom six, the third pair, but you got to have the pieces around that to really actually start making progress. And gradually but surely, in a short period of time, they've thrown volume at it where they've gotten a lot of second and third round picks for just taking on salaries and just throwing things at the wall because for a while, they didn't really have a lot of talent to churn out from the miners and in their system to fill out a roster. And now you're slowly but surely seeing that and progress that's all i ever ask for from any team all i want is for all 32 nhl teams to be good at the same time because it would just make my life easier and the more good teams there are with a clear plan i would like that the more good teams there are the better it is for everybody that would make everybody happy but there are a lot of people committed to making sure that doesn't happen yeah i don't like the nba style of there's two good teams that go back and forth with the championship every year i want it to be a fight that's what i'm here for I like I like I like when like the Avs rivalry that was yeah. badass. There's nothing cooler than that, and now it's kind of like falling off. But I I wanted to get there again, where it's like every year you're fight you're actually fighting to get there, you know? Yeah, no, we're we're getting there. I mean, it, the real problem is we're always going to have that eight to ten teams who are just playing for the lottery every single season because of the way the NHL is set up. But for the most part. I feel like we're getting better because the average NHL player's talent level is just getting better with each passing year. So purely by attrition, hockey is getting better. It won't ever be what we want where every team is good, but at least I feel like if nothing else, the quality of hockey will keep getting better. Yeah, the quality of hockey. And I also want it to just be entertaining. I don't want it to be boring, like defensive shutdown games. Like that's boring to me. I, to be honest, that 10-7 game was that's entertaining at least at the very least it's entertaining like all four goalies like wow put on a show why don't you (laughs) all all four goalies and everybody on hockey twitter just simultaneously starting to see the tweets on the timeline and then opening up whatever app they use to check scores and seeing it's seven to four okay i guess i'll put that on and then seeing another six goals scored by both teams combined just pure chaos that that's one thing i think hockey has that really only college football can match with just pure chaotic energy where anything (laughs) can kind of happen like i said when we first started talking we're at the time of the year where you could say anything happened and i might believe you just based on how weird the sport is yeah i mean 86 games you kind of gotta ramp up to the chaos a little bit (laughs) yeah what's made this year's team a little bit more aside from just purely mo raymond the results are a little bit better obviously the record isn't great but you know it's not just two guys making the entire difference there is a subtle bit difference it seems like they're a little bit better i know for a little while there it kind of seemed like they were flirting with that second wild card spot in the east but kind of expectation not expectations results kind of petered back down to about where they were expected to be what's been different this year aside from just adding new guys in is there you mentioned before the energy is a little bit different there's expectations is there anything else that's different about this year's team or is this purely just a we dropped in better players that replaced bad players kind of deal the chemistry is better i think um adding the the kids was good for results because of their just their talent and ability but also um they're like the little brothers that make everybody like have a good time they're they're just little chaos demons honestly and um dylan i think at the end of last season when uh his neck got broken and he had to spend all that time rehabbing it kind of put things into perspective for him a little bit where he doesn't have to carry 
everything. He doesn't have to carry everything. He can just play his best game and have a good time and lead the way he wants to lead and having fans back. They don't call us yeah. hockey town for nothing. Like it, it really is. Um, I know Henrik Zetterberg has said, like, if you go on the road, it's, you still have enough wings fan that, fans that it feels almost like a home game. And um, it, it's, we love them in a way that is sometimes kind of rare in professional sports and yeah. having us having fans back in the building really does uh, change the energy of the game. Oh no, definitely. Though there are a handful of teams around the league that are like that. The Wings are like that. The Rangers are like that. The Leafs are like that. The original six teams. Some of the Canadian teams are like that, where they just have pockets of fans everywhere. Where no matter where you're seeing them, you're going to see a couple hundred jerseys of that team. Just that history, really. I mean, if back that kind of thing gets passed down, family thing, parent to kid. So definitely understand that. In terms of what Dylan Larkin is at this point in his career, he's a free agent after next season. You imagine this is the, he's our captain going forward. We want to iron this out probably during this summer so that it's not a thing next summer. Um, Detroit doesn't trade their captains. That's just the yeah. thing we did. We just don't do it. Um, I think that uh, Stevie is very smart with the money. So he, he doesn't like to give long-term deals. He, mm likes to um just reevaluate as often as he can so that he can save money and i think dylan is on board with taking a team-friendly deal he's from here he doesn't want to go anywhere else this is his team he's always wanted to play here so i i don't imagine him i don't imagine there being much of an issue um i know that uh adam ernie and Jakob rano went into arbitration this past off season but that um I think that's that was the tactical move on Stevie's part. I don't think yeah. that there was ever much contention. Um, he knows how to keep the people he needs to keep for the price he wants to keep them at. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there's a reason every team wants it's Steve Eisenman to be their general manager. That's a kind of innate sense you have an understanding of what you can push on somebody without it crossing a line where it becomes uncomfortable and you really saw that in tampa where they were able to get certain guys to take a little bit less and even a couple hundred thousand million here might not sound like a lot but when the salary cap's only going up a million dollars a year you do have to be cognizant of that yeah you gotta sometimes pinch the pennies and honestly we have so much cap space that i think he could give dylan whatever he wanted anyway and he would yeah pretty much be happy to do it because it, that's he's our future going forward you know and um He's like, if you're, if you're in the spot where last off season, before we did a bunch of deals, we were like 9 million below the cap floor. Yeah. Like it was, it was, um, he's dropped so much dead weight and he takes on, he does, um, paper deals to take uh, yeah. cap space for picks. It, it, he's got plenty of room to play. And I think, um, he'll, he'll be, uh, he'll be doing whatever is necessary but also i think he'll be able to give dylan whatever he wants and i don't think dylan will ask for too much more and obviously this offseason they'll they'll make that deal but i have no worries <laughs> yeah i mean i was looking at their cap friendly because out of curiosity i mean they've got letty going to expire mark Stahl going to expire and like that's like nine and a half ten million dollars right there so they could either bring those guys back on veteran contracts for cheap because they need to fill out the rest of the roster or they could start making additions which is something that they haven't been they haven't had to do in a while do you think there's kind of 
an understanding that if we have all of this space, we should maybe make a, a true addition as opposed to just trying to roll over our space to the following season? Or do you think it would be more of a, we don't want to spend money just to spend money? Um, I don't think we're close enough yet to just to make that push. And I think that's okay. where Steve's at. Um, I think, I think he's probably going to get rid of a couple guys, trade a couple guys that he can get some good pieces back for. Um, I think he thought Letty was going to be more than he was maybe. And I think mm -hmm. he'll be able to, he's been decent enough when he's on a line with Mo or even with Hronik that um, I think they'll, he'll be able to get something for him a little bit more. Um, I think he's some of the uh, guys he got last off season, like Pew Suter, he's been yeah. decent for us. Um, I think he'll just, I, like again I don't like to speculate on what he he's gonna do because nobody ever really knows like that Anthony Manta trade was like nobody yeah. was expecting that and it's turned out pretty decent for us I mean he's been three games back already scored three goals like that's crazy um uh I, I think he'll be doing his Stevie thing and kind of shocking us the way he always does <laughs> gotcha so what would you say are the key, the core pieces going forward? Because like you said, this is still a young team. There probably won't be much expectation next season because they still need to fill out a little bit more of the roster. Who do you identify as the core of what will eventually be a competitive Red Wings team? Definitely Dylan. Uh, definitely Mo and Luke. Um, I think I think we're going to hold on to Bert. That he just, okay. his chemistry, he can fit in on any line really. He's... Yeah. He's got that ability. He's very, he's a chameleon. Um, <laughs> I think, man, I got to think about this now. Um, I don't know if Hronik is going to stay. I would like to. I think if he can keep Yakovrana, he's going to. Um, because he he's he's a talent that was, I think, not wasted, but like when you, when you have the talent you have in Washington, he, you kind of neglect the... Jakob Ranas of the world so I think that yeah. he is going to be more important here than he was there um I think they're going to regret once Ovi leaves I think they're going to regret not keeping him but nothing you can do about that now um uh Zadina I think if he's able to if he's able to um like get out of his own head because I think that's mostly what's going on and I've seen him like kind of come out especially since ron has been back like they're they're buddies so that's that's been cool um i think if he's able to get out of his own head we'll be able to keep him i don't know if stevie will a lot of people seem to think he won't but i think he's he likes him i think um it, there's not many here that i think are safe okay. <laughs> nobody's ever safe um so it's very few people that I think are safe. I, I don't want many of them to go, but I think that it's just the, the very few, Mo, Luke, um, Dylan, Bert, maybe Fabry, honestly, because um, he, the, that Guelph line has some pretty good chemistry too. Um, really just those few people. And then everybody else is like, you're on notice, honestly. <laughs> what have your impressions of Nadelkovich been this season? Oh, I love Ned. I love Ned. Um, I think he's the, the defensive uh, holes are kind of um, kind of have kind of slowed him down. Um, it can't be easy to be a goalie behind that defense. 
And I think it might have um, fucked with his head a little bit because he has kind of slowed down a little bit. But I think he's um, he's really smart. I think he's really he makes these insane saves that you wouldn't expect from a lot of other people. Um, I think he's fucking hilarious too. Like if you yeah. watch some of their socials, like they did a because Mark Stahl just played his thousands game. They did like a thing after practice where they were asking everybody to talk about him. He goes, I don't know, I don't want to be being old. <laughs> <And we're> like, <laughs> okay buddy but i think he i think he's great i think he's awesome i think he might be um one of our two franchise goalies the wings are a very interesting team in that because they have so many kids and so many old guys they can come at their content from a lot of different ways and they Mm -hmm. have the one they have the one segment they do on their socials with the kids which is very funny and you gotta lean into that when you're Mm -hmm. not the best team but you have exciting players let me identify with them let me learn about them who they are what makes them tick that kind of stuff intrigues me a lot and there's not a lot of teams that are willing to lean into that and just put their young kids out there like the wings have this year yeah especially since the especially the young three young guys they have so much personality like mo have you ever seen that video of him singing karaoke to old town road no i haven't actually it's so fucking funny it's so funny he like so he's singing i'll just i'll just send it to you later so you can see it but he's he's just a character him and and then him and luke together and having tyler as their bad influence like they are wild animals and it's so funny and i'm glad that they that they've let everybody else see that too yeah it's important that a team has good energy especially when the team isn't amazingly successful i mean the rangers had that from a lot over the last two years where the team wasn't great it wasn't bad but the vibes were toxic as hell so kind of mm-hmm. nobody was no one was really comfortable or having a good time but now yeah. that they've kind of gotten rid of some of the sludge it's a little bit more comfortable and the vibes are a little bit better and that matters the vibes definitely matter especially when things aren't going great because if you're having a miserable time and the team is losing nobody's happy yeah for real for real um, and I, I think it's um, a lot, too, because Dylan uh, has after I mean, he was made captain last season, but it wasn't like a real season to yeah. be captain. And they were able to do like the, the whole captain ceremony and stuff this season. And I think having that like actually like made concrete for him, that's helped free him up to to be like who he wants to be. Uh, Bert coming back because he was gone most of last season with back injury. Um, Fabry is hilarious and like we just it's a good group and they have fun together and I like that it's important so let's open it up a little bit more big picture league-wide what are you looking forward to most the rest of the NHL season um I'm kind of like a brainworm for the like I have homer brainworms so I really mostly only pay attention to the wings But I really like, um, I love upsets. That's been my favorite. Yeah, that's been my favorite thing this season. Like the Leafs losing to the Habs. That was so funny to me. That was hilarious. So upsets crack me up. I love watching those. Um, I like, I'm really looking forward to um, when the playoffs get started to see who, to see the upsets really because the Habs going all the way last year was crazy to me that was like I hadn't watched I was like not too impressed with the playoffs but as soon as they started beating the Leafs again and like went to the next round I was like I'm watching every game like let's do this I'm ready 
Um, I like, I'm looking forward to, um, to seeing if Tampa can actually get to the Stanley Cup final again. That, that'll be interesting to see because they have, they long-term injury reserve, <laughs> they tried it again. Um, I want to see who contends. I want, I'm really looking forward to the playoffs. Last question I have for you before I get you out of here. What would be your ideal Stanley Cup final? It can be for purely shit posting reasons. It could be you want to see specific teams play each other. You want to see really good hockey. What would your ideal cup final be for whatever reason you have? Uh, for this season? Yes. Um, I'm going to say this because I want to be a bitter Betty, but I would okay. love... Okay, this is literally shit posting, and I don't want. Okay, okay I've got two answers. So the shit posting okay. one is Ducks versus Leafs, the two <laughs> not rookie of the year, rookie of the years battling it out, and I don't care who wins because it'll just be funny to me. Um, and then for like real reasons, um, I don't care who else but the Avs because every time they win one, we win the next one, one or two. So when they win, that means we get the next one. <laughs> That'd be very, I do like weird things, coincidences in history like that. That's one of those things that I for, I vaguely knew that, but now that you just said it, that really just jogged my memory. And yeah, that would yeah. be interesting to say. Yeah. The abs are interesting. I mean, they're going to do some LTIR shenanigans too. That Everybody and their mother says they're going to trade for Drew, which we'll see. Still about five days to go till the deadline, but I don't know. The Avs are one of those teams that they've made the playoffs consistently, but something always goes wrong for them, whether it's a player just their goalies just dying in the bubble two years ago where they had to play Michael Hutchinson in a playoff game, which wasn't great. Just something always goes wrong for them. And to your point about the upsets, that was the most fun playoffs we've had in recent memory. The one with all the upsets in 20, what was that 18, the year the Capitals won? Yeah, yeah, that was the most chaotic playoffs we've had in a long time. That was really fun. That's that's when it, the hockey playoffs are at their best is when weird shit happens. Oh yeah. I love it. I love, first of all, the intensity of playoff hockey. There's nothing yeah. that beats that. Nothing that beats that. And then when things get fucking crazy, then I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Like last year with the Habs, just no, every single series, the Habs can't keep doing this. They won't win this series. No way they'll win this series. And motherfucker, they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it was so cool. I mean, I kind of wish they would have beat the uh, lightning. Cause that would have been, that would have been the ultimate upset. And I would have been like, hell yeah, let's do this. And we're us next. <laughs> also, they would have broken the Canadian curse too. Yeah. They would have the drought. That would have been so cool. And the most winningest team uh, breaking the drought. That would have been. That's the fun thing about hockey is we have all the lore. We have the stories. We cling yeah. to the lore more so than any of the other sports because we're all insane. So like yeah. we know things like that. We have <laughs> shit like that about teams that aren't our own teams ingrained into our souls. Yeah, for real. Like, I I think I need to stop watching hockey. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would say so, but then I'd have to find the personality. So yeah, I, I think I'll keep watching hockey. I think I'll keep watching <laughs> hockey. <laughs> I want to thank you for coming by. This was a lot of fun. I'm, I yeah. hope you had a fun time. This was a good talk. I like, I like getting to pick people's brains about their favorite team and getting to understand them. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is so fun. This is the first time I've been on somebody else's podcast. I'm like, wow, I feel famous. It's, it's definitely weird going on someone else's podcast when you're used to producing and hosting and asking the questions. And it's like, oh, wait, um, oh, okay, okay, focus. <laughs> and yeah, it's definitely weird. Yeah. 
right, I want to thank Adriana for stopping by today's show. We will be back tomorrow, Boston Bruins episode, making our way through. Not sure what the content will be on Friday, but we'll have something. I will see you guys tomorrow.